Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Beverly. She's a magical practitioner, a writer, a mother, a wanderer on the roads that weave their way between this reality and others a passerby through the way stations that dot the countless realms roamed by the intrepid ones who walk between worlds. And I'm happy to call her my friend. We wove our web of weird into a tapestry of many topics. We talked about death and the grieving process, of strange encounters on the road, of spirits of place and the strange and often otherworldly geography of Turtle Island, of reality tunnels, belief systems, magic as heightened awareness, and moving through liminal spaces. We talked about fear and how to act in the face of it, and so much more. I hope you'll enjoy the journey we took. So without further introduction, let's fly. Beverly. Welcome to the hey, Nightbird hey. Radio Podcast. How are you? Uh, better now that I'm talking to you, Tim, honestly. like yeah. That makes me happy to hear. Am I supposed to be calling you, Tim? I should check. You can, yeah, you can call me, Tim. Uh, so okay. before we hit record, we were talking about just like everything that's going on in your life. Um, did you want to like give a brief summary since we're kind of talking about we're talking, I mean, about you. we're talking about you, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like I was telling you that it's been, it has been the most uh, sort of surreal summer that I've had. Um, I think maybe ever, right? We talked about like the road trip and do we, yeah, I mean, I know that we don't talk about what happens at wizard camp, but we can mention that we oh, went yeah. to wizard camp. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. That would be fun. Um, and so you drove across the country and you took how how you took some time because you like worked and visited places. And yeah, like how I long was, did you take? I took I I took like a week and a half to drive across the country. <clears throat> yeah, and I you're right. I I like did DoorDash for gas money to get to Wizard Camp. So red. Um. Then, uh, yeah, up to Chicago to see my kid and her sweet new baby, and then back to Oregon. You know, did the did the Oregon well? You know, started settling into the apartment here, and then um, yeah, my dad died, and that's been you know taking up a lot of. Oh, so you space. got a new you got a new place. Not only like had all this going on, but you also were in the process of relocating your living situation when your dad died 
yeah, in the middle of moving, I took a road trip and then came home and in the middle of moving, like, you know, yeah, dad got real sick. Um, and that's interesting too, because, um, you know, my brothers and I both, or all three of us, you know, went, went down there when we heard that my dad wasn't probably going to make it. Um, but none of us had talked to my dad in like six years. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah. The, the relationship there is like interesting or maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand how that is. Cause I don't think any of them, like my siblings, like none of us have spoken to our dad in like maybe 12 or so. It's interesting. I mean, how about you? So the, why I wanted to hit record while we were talking about this was because you had mentioned like, yeah, I'm just bringing up my dad in like every conversation. And I wanted to talk a little bit and you don't have to go. We don't have to talk about it at all, but I wanted to mention the idea that there's a, I feel like it's an aspect of how, like, so as your father's spirit is like moving. Yeah. Moving on. Right. Trying to move to the next place. Right. You are working through that stuff and that's how it kind of comes out. Like, you know, when we speak about the dead, I think I want to say it's Connor Habib that talks about this, that um, when we think about them, that's actually them speaking to us. Right. So in a way that's like, like that morning period and that where, where it's like fresh on your mind and like everything just kind of like brings it up. It is like, a, right. Like, can you, do you want to speak to that at all? Or how, how, what is your experience there? So, I mean, well, it's bringing to mind um, something that sort of ties all of it together. Um, you know, you, you and I were both doing um, Jangle Bones ancestor course together, right? Yeah. And, shout out to Reverend Jangle Bones ancestor course. <laughs> Amen. And when I was doing that coursework, I actually found the graveyard where my first ancestors in Oregon are buried. And it's like this little, um, it's on private land, um, you know, behind like barbed wire in this, you know, very peaceful grove of trees out in between like Eugene and the coast. Right. It's, it's not something anybody else is going to be interested in going to. Right. But, um, you know, I found out it was there and, you know, cause it's me, I went ahead and like jumped the fence. I've since gotten permission from the people that own the land to go out there. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, the first time I was like, ah, it, cause it took me like three weeks to get a hold of them. Right. Like, yeah. So I have, um, I have graveyard dirt from, you know, great, 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 great grandma that actually uh, came to Oregon from the Appalachians, right? So when I did the trip, the road trip, right, where I was going from Oregon back to Appalachia, I brought that graveyard dirt with me in the car. Oh, nice. Right. And it's, um, and yeah, so having, um, having interactions that, that way and 
then when I heard my dad was dying, I went ahead and like Google mapped my way there. And it gave like the, the typical way that you would get from Portland to where his house is on the Oregon coast. Right. But like halfway down Google maps is like, we have found a better route. And it took me (laughs) past the graveyard where my people are. Right. And so it was like, oh yeah, like I, they're, they're coming. Like they're, they're getting in the car (laughs) with me and coming for you, dad. Yeah. So like, I, I definitely have like this feeling that, you know, he, how do I say, right? Like my dad might not have been ready, but our people were ready to receive him. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes great sense. And that's, Ooh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Which is, so, I mean, that's not a bad place to be. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who's ready? <laughs> but as long as like my people are ready. Yeah. Let them come get me. Yeah. And so, and, and two, right. Like I, I have better relationships with, um, with some of our dead people than I have with my dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel so, like that all the time, man. Like I get along with the dead so much better. Like they're. <laughs> so part of why we're probably called to this work, but anyway, continue. Yeah. So, um, you know, like having, and, and like you get to just like have conversations. Right. And like through this process, like I haven't felt particularly connected to my dad. Like I'm, I'm waiting for that. You know, I mean, and like his ashes are in the room with me, like right now they're, um, and I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of excited actually about some of the plans we have for, for his ashes. Um, I feel like I can focus on the, the parts of my dad that I really loved and respected that way. Right. Yeah. All right. So we went, we decided to start really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me, by the way. I know that like, I didn't, I just kind of like, Hey, so tell me about this, but you know, it's, um, it's relevant to what we do. Um, yeah. Well, and it's good to be able to laugh about it with somebody too. Right. And just to talk about it. Who gets I mean, it. it would help yeah. me. Like, yeah, I'm excited for you to experience that too in terms of like as time passes and as you kind of like as you do your own sort of like elevation or whatever you want to call it, right? Right. For your dad, like the way it's just always so it never gets old to see them come through in like different ways, especially like getting like a year off. It's like, oh, this is you? Oh my gosh. Like, and that's another reason why it's so it's so cool to to like be in relation to them is because it really shows that like we we don't have to stay the same even after death. Right. Like there's more to be done. And like, you know, maybe like some people that might not sound appealing to (laughs) just let me sleep. But you know what I mean? Like Right. Do that if you want to. Right. Well, I mean, like in in my dad's case, like he was 
he was a wild one for sure. Right. Um, and, but there was, there was totally this dichotomy too, because he, he worked for the Oregon department of forestry for like basically my whole lifetime until he retired. Um, and so part of what's going to happen is, you know, he was, he helped steward the Elliott state forest here in Oregon for most of his career in one form or another. Right. So, you know, taking his ashes out to some of his favorite places there. And then um, the cousins and I, and my brothers are all going to um, do a raft trip down the Rogue River and scatter some of his ashes while we're like kayaking down Whitewater. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, stuff. it's it'll yeah, it'll be good stuff. I'm happy for y'all that y'all are going to get to do that. And I'm happy for him that he has y'all to do that for him, you know? Right. I think I think that was a surprise for him, actually, when my brothers and I all showed up like right before he died, I think. Yeah. I, I don't think he was expecting that at all. Cause it's not, I mean, uh, complicated relationships, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's interesting to me to hear you say that because you talked about, uh, I, it's an interesting sort of mirroring of how you mentioned that your people were ready to accept him. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that's happening on both sides because your people on on this side are helping in that too. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's not a surprise to me that 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 should shine forth in the living as well. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that totally that totally makes sense. And you know, I that's think not always the case. That's that's true. Well, and and also like a lot of the reason my dad was isolated um, before he passed was, you know, he, he had a really hardcore gambling addiction and it just tough. was way more important than everything else. Well, I mean, it's like, wow, like addiction is heavy stuff. It is. It's, and we, I talk about it on the show, you know, cause I have my own experience with it. It's, um, I can't really think it's a bit like a possession. Yeah. You know, and there's certainly things that I did to aid that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not right. definitely not removing responsibility. It takes two to tango, you know, but it, it becomes like, <clears throat> yeah, this other, it's like an indwelling of some kind. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, like the whole thing too is that, like the idea that like death releases you from that too. It's like right. it'll be, or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that it always does. You know, I definitely like after doing a lot of this work, it has got me wondering. And I uh, kind of, I think I talked with Lindsay about this on the episode with her. Um, is that I'm not sure that a lot of my <laughs> addiction isn't like unwell ancestors that like literally jumped into my body so that they could experience a fix Oof. you know and so but it, that does give hope as well because there is work for that you know right 
Right. I mean, it, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so how much of this stuff is even from like, how much of the stuff that I'm dealing with is even originating in this lifetime? Like maybe not a lot. Like (laughs) the, you know, like the bill comes due at some point. And I guess like, I was like the crazy ass that was like, yeah, I'm going to pay that. You know, (laughs) right. Right. Like I think, I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that maybe, you know, my, it, it makes sense to me to think that it was maybe my dad paying some debts too. Right. Like, yeah, it, it feels, um, it feels right. Like karmically to think that way, I think. Right. Um, you know, and like, well, we were talking about Saturn being um, really heavy in my life at, at the moment. Um, so you know, this whole thing with like my dad dying and some of my other struggles right now, um, you know, that it definitely feels like I'm, um, paying some debt. Right. It's like, you know, (laughs) like be careful what you ask for magically, right? Like here, let me, let let me take on clearing up some ancestral nonsense. Oh, really? (laughs) Right. Like here it is like in the girl, right? Like, well, like, (laughs) right like okay i that is a good point that's a really good point like i don't always think about what that might look like but it's like i'm the one incarnated so what does that (laughs) look like for an incarnated person oh it looks like literally the thing you know especially Yeah. yeah i that's 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 a cool way to look at it actually but i i I think there's medicine in that too right because it means that i'm not struggling in vain right right that there is like this is there is a purpose behind this and even though it sucks like i don't know that it did like a new pair of glasses in that respect like because for so long in my life all i really wanted to do was like feel sorry for myself um, mm. which feeds into the addiction thing too, right? I, those are like right. hand, in, hand in hand stuff, but like being able to look at it, like, no, this is not like a self pity thing. This is like a, we're doing this shit for a reason thing. And I'm like, you're meant to be here thing just changes it for me. It really does. Right. And you know, like generationally, cause I'm looking at, at my kids. And watching how their lives are changed and shaped by by me clearing up some of this, right? Yeah, that's really. I mean, not that they're not not that they're not also in the middle of it, right? Oh my gosh, like you like you can literally see the through line with certain things as it shows up in your kids. Right. Um, but how healing the dead starts to heal your kids. It's, it's wild. So let's talk. So, uh, here's a question I like to ask um, to everybody. What were you afraid of as a kid? Oh, 
what was I afraid of as yeah. a kid? <laughs> okay, well, we'll start with my dad. <laughs> Because oh, okay. he seems to be coming up in conversation. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, but like outside of that, I was, man, I was foolheartedly fearless in a lot of ways. Right? Like I would, I would do, you know, I I would jump off cliffs into the river or sneak out of the house in the middle of the night and go wandering through the park to visit my favorite tree or, you know, whatever. Like I, I don't remember being afraid of much like adrenaline rushes. Sure. Right. Um, but, Oh, afraid. I kind of expected that to be your answer, actually. <laughs> I expected you to just say nothing. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, that's that's funny. I mean, I mean to be to be perfectly honest, I don't know that I'm afraid of a whole lot now. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, I definitely. I mean, there are things that you know, I think deserve a reasonable amount of caution. <laughs> Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but and, I'm talking about like, you know, like that kind of cosmic fear that you like the childhood sort of fear that you can't even describe. Like, but maybe that's okay. just some, like, you know what I mean? Maybe that. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, you actually like brought something to mind. Um, so my mom's family was, is LDS Mormon. Right. Um, and when you're Mormon, you get baptized when you're eight. And the way that was explained to me was that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit that then would like reporting your behavior to God. Right. So, yeah. So like all of the like my my eight year old self was like definitely afraid of being possessed by a spiritual tattletale. Yeah, being possessed by a cosmic <laughs> snitch. What the fuck? <laughs> right, like that's like that. That was terrifying. Wow, I didn't know that that was um that they had that context for the Holy Spirit. That is wild. I mean, like, there's more to it than that, of course, right? The sure, Holy Spirit is supposed to guide you into doing the right thing. And well, yeah, but I never have heard like the any like in my experience as a Protestant growing up, never heard anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's totally uh -huh. like okay, like God can see everything, and so that's one right. But like, right, the idea of the Holy Spirit being because the Holy Spirit is in you. Right. Yeah, that's just a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, you know me a little bit. Like, I, I don't I, like no snitches. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was afraid of that for sure. Hmm. 
that has me thinking about just a lot of different things. Um, okay, because here's an interesting thread to f- pull on there, and this is not so much about your fear, but I'm now just going into like Mormon doctrine. Like, <laughs> because I won't pretend to be an expert. Uh, yeah, right. But like, and I am not either at all. But from my experience, what it seems to me to be is that the Holy Spirit is the watered down version of like, the divine feminine like along with you know you have some other kind of incarnations of that in modern christianity but the sethian gnostics instead of the father the son and the holy ghost they mm-hmm. said the, the father the mother and the son or the father the mother and the child and that eventually they just took all the feminine out of it and made it the holy ghost like oh i don't know what, what the fuck that thing is like you know um, right so it's interesting that they would like put that on it too, you know? Well, okay. So in Mormon theology though, um, there is a wife of God oh, really? who does not get, um, you know, page time because she's right. too holy for that. Um, but she is busy, busy, busy. Um, being pregnant with and birthing all of our spirits, right? So we are, we are the cosmic spirit babies. Oh, so she's like perpetually pregnant mother goddess kind of person who's only mother goddess because she's married to the God. Because that's the, that's also the way Mormon theology works. As a woman, you don't get into heaven. Or the like highest your, orders of heaven, unless you're attached to a dude. All your status comes from the dude. Yeah. Mm. So, wh- what was she before that? Is that even a question that is? Oh, I, actually, like <laughs> yes, you, I can answer that question. Um, so, they were inhabitants of another planet out in the universe, right? And because they obeyed their heavenly father and were good children, then they got to have their own planet, which is earth to run and inhabit and, and populate. Right. Um, so, so you get, so if you, it's franchises, it's yes, it is absolutely, it is a giant pyramid scheme. How do you, okay, so that was like what you grew up with, right? Well, I mean, that was, that was my mom's family. Like my, but you had it, right? Like right. You, oh yeah. I'm, I'm definitely like highly exposed. So is there like, is there anything that you take from that? From like Mormon culture? Sure. In your practice at all? Or do you just, is it totally discarded? Oh, oh. So. I mean, like, I don't know how familiar you are with the history of the Mormon church, but the founder of the church was like a shuckster folk magician. Yeah. um, Joseph Smith, right? Right. And my mom's family is like old school Mormon. Like they've, they've been Mormon for like the, almost the whole way through. Right. Mormons before Mormons before Utah, for sure. Gotcha. Right. Um, so they were like and, moving around, moving around with the whole show, like, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like there's 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 been a retention of a little bit of folk magic, right? I mean, I I was I was taught a a, a banishing spell, right? Oh, Where cool. you just like call on the name of Christ if there's ever any like nasty entity that's like trying to be around you. Um it's it's a given that you can just tell it to leave because you you can. Right. Um which is which is you true know, like universally part, kind of it yeah it is true. But you have to know that, you have to know that you can do it, which is the interesting thing, right? Like you guys have to know that you can. Right. And like from the time I was little, like that was and and you know maybe that speaks to like why I'm not afraid of very much. It's like, oh, what are you gonna do if I don't let you? Um, right. <laughs> so, so you know that and like other like small little magics, right? Like baking, um, baking a certain kind of groom's cake and putting it under your pillow. Um, if you are ever at a wedding reception um you take the groom's cake and you keep it under your pillow and then you dream of you know your your future loves or love right like that kind of just like little yeah little folk magic-y but that's the stuff that work like works i mean like i mean i don't mean not the they're more than just that works but you know what i mean like that stuff there's a reason that stuff is passed down because it i feel like it's often quite effective Right. And like, that's not necessarily Mormon, Mormon, right? Right. Um, That's probably was taken from before that, you think? Oh, well, I mean, uh, a lot of magic is very derivative, right? And it's not like something the church promotes, right? Right, The church has like done a lot of work to sort of erase the fact that it comes from a magical tradition at all. It gets passed on like in spite of... Right. Um, but then like things things from growing up in a in a deeply or attached to a deeply Mormon family, because like I said, my family wasn't. Um like Wizard Camp reminded me very much of Oh, like family reunions I would go to every summer, except that there were not 60 children who were all cousins running around. (laughs) (laughs) But if you added that, it would be like the same thing, right? (laughs) Exactly. It totally, it absolutely would have been. That's interesting that Uh, you say that because it reminds me, it reminded me very much of like church camp, but like how I wanted it to to be like, like how it could have been, you know what I mean? Like if it was right, took away a bunch of the, the bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, like, also, though, everybody at camp was an adult, which makes, like, a lot of... Adults don't need as many guidelines as children do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, like, no, you may, you may not jump out of that tree in the middle of everyone's tents. If you need to jump out of a tree, please go over there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Those yeah. conversations that you have with children. But yeah, but like the the sense of community, right? Like I loved as a kid being in a place where 
I was free to roam around and there was an adult around every corner that would care for or assist me if I needed it. Like that's, you know, back to the other, like not being afraid of much, right? Like if you, if you have at least some experience of that kind of environment as a, as a kid, I think it really carries you. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I think there's an aspect of that to like spirit work too. Like I feel like a lot of the very beginning of getting to like be involved with spirits in general or like even just believing that they were around and could be related to and 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 gotten to know, you know? Mhm. I think that's part of it, right? Is that like, oh, there's I'm cared for. Like right. I'm looked out for like it's like the worst thing that could happen. I'm not going to be alone for that's a huge, that was a huge part of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole understanding that one is surrounded by spirit and, you know, and and maybe I have a kind of Pollyanna approach, but, and that most of the spirit that is around you is working toward if not your individual good, but the good of everyone. And everyone is a very broad category there. Um, Yeah. All beings. Right. Um, If you, um, if if you have that understanding of the way the world works, um, it makes being afraid unreasonable almost. Mm. which i think it kind of always is and i will i will qualify that by saying that like like you kind of mentioned before um sure there are, are things to be reasonably cautious about but i think that fear is really never to my highest good I find that it's always limiting me in some way. You know? Right. Well, I mean, it's if you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you're having fear, I think it's reasonable to listen to why. That's a good point, too. Like, in a lot of ways, fear has also been like one of my greatest teachers because it shows me like what I need to look at. Right. 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 And it's, mm. it's, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm thinking of like this random time in my twenties when like somebody pulled a gun on me. Right. It that's, that's a reasonable situation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, feel that, some fear during, right. That I helps. Mean, Go ahead. Sorry. I keep interrupting. But you know, at the time, cause like I'm, I'm really good at bravado too. Right. So talking, talking the guy into like putting the gun down was my, it felt like my only real option. (laughs) Right. Um, Which is not a fearful way to behave. Even though you experienced what you would describe as fear, you did not behave in a fearful way. If you were trying oh. to, to do that, you know what I mean? Well, 
I firmly believe that predators prey on fear. Yeah, I think so too. So if you're not giving them what they want with their behavior, right, then they're going to at least try a different tack or realize that you're just not the prey for them. Yeah. So what taught me this was fishing. <laughs> I uh, love it. You know, <laughs> the, the trick there is, I'm sure you know, is if, if you can see, but if you can't see, then you just kind of do this motion. But the fish that you're trying to catch is going to go after your lure when it appears to be like running away. So it can be standing still. And then you do that kind of jerky motion right to kind of emulate that and the the big fish will like nine times out of ten strike when the prey your lure is pulling away from them it's the same as like running from a i don't know a bear or something right you you don't run from bears in the woods or cougars or yeah you face them because what right well, I mean, like, actually, like with a cougar, you don't want to make eye contact. Like, that's that's an act of aggression, right? Oh, okay, so that's not good. Okay, but you, yeah, you never big, right? you actually look- like don't don't make contact with prey animals that um, might want to fight you. Well, yeah, that's that's generally, I would say, good advice. But don't you try to look? <laughs> <laughs> don't you try to look big for a cougar? You do. You try to you try to look big and. Okay, so so to the point, there That's has the only ever there's only ever in Oregon been one death by cougar. Oh really? Um, yeah, it was a woman on a bicycle, um, moving away from the cougar that then chased her. Right. And so she probably looked more like an animal on four limbs on like that's my four theory. legs who was four running legs, away. Yeah. Right, right? Yeah. like she looked like she was running away, so the cougar went after. Her. You go out in your backyard with like some pots and pans and a wooden spoon and start screaming at a cougar, and it's gonna leave. Yeah, because you're not. That's not how prey acts. No, it's not. So what I wanted to say when when you were what you have set off a light bulb in my head about uh, encountering a, a someone brandishing a gun at you is that. That is a proper response because that's something that's happening in the present, in the moment. It's happening Mm -hmm. now. But a lot of fear that we experience is a response to something that's already happened. But most of it is about the future that doesn't exist yet either. Right. Or the past doesn't exist for a different reason, right? But the future doesn't exist yet. And so this fear isn't serving me at all. Now the fear for the so something happening in the moment, like if someone was trying to jump into this van and stab me, I would have good, co- like no one I don't think could, could say that I was having fear that was misplaced in any way. That difference to me is important because I could spin my wheels endlessly about things that haven't happened yet and be in fear about those things. And that's going to totally just take my legs out from under me. It'll take your legs out from under you and I will, I will give an example of without naming names of someone close to me. Right. Um, who 
is kind of obsessed with um the the cadre of uh car thieves that um are in portland right now right and he's literally had his catalytic converter stolen out of the car and had um cars stolen like repeatedly (laughs) he keeps getting his car stolen right it's it's wild right like he's and he's super focused on it was he super focused on it before it started happening you know that's a good question a little bit and i'm not trying to victim blame at all but i think you can see where i'm going yeah no there was there was definitely like i do know that there was attention paid to the the less um savory um behaviors going on um and and yeah it's 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 an actual like focus for them um and so you know and and here I, i am right like i'm like oh yeah no like i have i have protection shit in my car and i keep my doors locked like i'm I'm not worried about it like i got too much shit to worry about besides like sure it could happen but but if i worry about it and then it does happen it's almost like i gave it too much like oh i spent all the time worrying about it and then it happened like or i mean and you know, the difference between fear and worry is one to maybe explore, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know that they're that different, but I, I mean, I'm willing to listen to an opposing point of view, but I think I personally, I find them to be the same. Like where I see it is in like most more commonly these days is from like news media or Social media too does this, but it's just exists to like create a feedback loop of fear. Of, well, fear and anger both. And right? anger, but like, what is that adding to the system? And what is that co- like? The metaphysics of that are much more troubling to me than like, oh yeah, it's just like from about money. Like, what? Sure, maybe it is, but like. But what is that causing? Like, what is that putting into the system? And what is the then being created through that? Like, it's a spell, right? It, it is like a spell. Um, and, you know, for the, for the most part, I mean, the real, like, sometimes, right? Like, it's, it's good to pay attention to the news. So you know what's going on around you for example going to the oregon coast um i'd been driving through um tsunami danger zones right um so if um if you don't know a tsunami's coming and you're trucking down the road right fair enough or like the fires too right 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 like i i listen to like where where the fires are, where the tsunamis are, um, where where the cops are out of control. Yeah, you know? that's a that's a, but, a good one too. Um, I don't, however, generally 
view other people in general as as a threat, right? And that's something actually that, and believe me, I know that like being a tiny little blonde lady has its own effect here, right? I do not look like a threat unless I decide to look like a threat, right? And I have to work at it (laughs) if I want to do that. (laughs) Like, I'm just not scary looking, right? Um, But my experience, seriously, has been that, like, people generally want to be kind and helpful to you. And I think when you do that or when you have that point of view that it it has an effect on reality, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you, you do it. So tell me what, like, don't you think if I see the whole world is out to get me, then the whole world will be out to get me, like in a very real way. Right. Which doesn't mean that, like, some people aren't or can't be dangerous. Right. Right. You totally. But but I think but, that actually clouds my ability to see when it's for real and when it's not. Oh, absolutely. If you're thinking that it's everybody instead yeah. of the people that are actually right. Right, cuz then my um, intu- I can't listen to my intuition if I'm in a constant state of fear. I find that's just my experience. I think I think that's real too. And the other thing too is that like, you know, disarming people who may be out to get you through sheer I don't know how to say it. I'll I'll give an example, right? Um, there was one night when a friend of mine and I were walking back to my apartment. Um, and at, at that time I lived in Chinatown in Portland and there's only like a couple places in Chinatown in Portland where there's actual like bushes and foliage. Right. But we're walking by one of them and there are these two men pulling the clothes off of a woman who's completely limp. Right. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a little scary. Yeah. Or could be right. Um, So I hand my phone to my, I, I press the buttons, 911, right. Hand my phone to my friend and say, if it gets weird, press the button. But then I walked up to these dudes and this woman laying on the ground and was like, oh, my God, your friend looks so drunk. Do you need does she need some help? Like, it looks like you're getting her clothes on her. Like, did she try to, you know, just like playing completely stupid and Mm -hmm. at the same time, like standing witness. Right. So the dudes just took off. Um, And then. And then we did actually call the police to come get the the passed out lady. Um, But yeah, like, but I came, I came to it with an attitude that was like, not afraid of them. Yeah. Right. I just, I just assumed like, even though I knew what they were doing. And you know, what could have happened too, if you would come in and like, in an overly aggressive manner as well, like it just triggers something that reminds me. 
That's a really good example because it reminds me of like when I used to bartend and how you like the best way to actually remove someone isn't to like grab them and like toss them. You know what I mean? Like sometimes that might be, but that's very rarely the case. It was usually like putting your arm around them and listening to them and being like, yeah, man, I hear you. I hear you. Well, and then, and like slowly walking them over. And by the time they realize what's going on, they're out the door. Right. And, And just like, they don't even know what happened as opposed to like starting a huge fight, which can be fun, but <laughs> is it like the best yeah. Oh, yeah. course I mean, of like, action? So don't get me wrong. I've, I've had those moments too. Right. Right. Um, but that's, that's generally after I have already been like violated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like last, like worst case stuff. Yeah. Or even just, you know, the guy who like puts his hand on your ass the third time at the bar actually needs to get decked. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Cause at that, at that point, it's like the universe has chosen you to be the um, distributor of karma. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> like, oh shit, I, I guess it's coming through me. And I do right. believe that that happens sometimes. And you know what? I'm very grateful for the people that were that for me. Because I know that sometimes I deserve that shit. And I can only be grateful for the people that delivered it to me because I learned my lesson. (laughs) You know? Like I had to like when I was young, I was a little fucker. And like I had to get my ass kicked a good couple times before I realized that, like, oh yeah, I don't really like that. (laughs) You know, I don't want that to happen. Like, and that can happen if I just like run my mouth or like pull knives on people or like just i was a little i was like for real right right it's it sounds like maybe you did need your ass kicked a little i did yeah you know what i mean and it it, none of it was like that bad like whatever bloody nose bloody lip like i don't know these i don't know what's going on these days you know maybe it's the same as it ever was i don't know but yeah it was nothing that was like it was nothing that i hadn't doled out to others too you know right but but on that vein of like let's change tack here a little bit i want to know kind of how you got have you always lived the life of the spirit is how i kind of want to say it but that sounds super weird (laughs) you know no has it always been in your life i mean i grew up in large part like tromping through the woods in Oregon, right? Like how can you not? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it like for for real. Um like one of my one of my very earliest memories, right? So my youngest brother was born when I was five. And this was way before he was born. So I was little, little, like maybe, maybe I was three. Right. And um, we were out at deer camp and I remember it was deer camp because I had to wear certain colors of clothes um, to make sure nobody shot me. There were these three trees that were growing in this certain configuration Right. And I just, I remember 
playing in and sitting in those trees and just listening to what they had to say to me. Right. And I was obviously like we small. Um, so, so yeah, very, very much like always in that vein. Although there have cert- there were certain t- periods in my life where the pressure to conform and forget and be normal, quote unquote, um, did it its own magic, right, on me. Yeah, it really is its own um, magic. You know, so so I've needed to come back to it. Um, and like the last, the last house I lived in down in Eugene, right? Like, um, it was like, it's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. And like, we were going to talk about like, you know, travel magic, but like magic of place yeah. is, um, miraculous. Right. Um, and and the way, I mean, definitely that house was owned by uh, a witch when it was built, like hands hands down. Like you look at the layout of the the protective plants and where they're set, and you know, just that it was it was obvious if you are if for a magically operant person, right? And I've Definitely. I mean, like there was my own work that I did there, obviously, but I would have people come over and tell me that they felt like they were in a bubble of safety. Mm, like, yeah, I know what you're talking right? about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of that's me, but like some of it was like work that had been done like way before I was there. Yeah. Um, and you came and kind of built on it just as you kind of came and built on the house itself, right? Like, that's right. cool. Continue. Um, but like it would introduce plants to me that I would, that I was supposed to develop relationship with. Right. Like all of a sudden in the middle of my herb garden, there's mullen that I had not planted. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Right. And so, you know, and and that happened with like more than one thing. Like when I was really developing my relationship with Queen Anne's Lace, right? That summer, my yard was covered, right? It was like very, like I felt we, we were just like in tune with one another for a good portion of my time there. Um, you know, and like I'm, I'm in a new place now. And, um, like getting apartments are very different than houses, I'll just say. Yeah, absolutely. Your field is like, like just intertangled with everyone else's for better or worse. Yeah. Right. I'm really glad that for the most part, there's great neighbors here, but, um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Creating, um, creating that same type of bubble here is going to be more challenging but doable and you know shit you probably learned some stuff oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and you know um the fact that like looking out this window right here right like there's this beautiful hawthorn tree and like all of these oaks 
in what is very much like a hedgerow um, across the street is also feels really relieving. That's very protective too. Um, Like sound EMF. That's helpful for all that stuff. Right. Trees are the best. Trees are so fantastic. They really do like so much for us. That was, I think, what made like going through Wyoming on this yeah, road so challenging I, for me. It was so weird for me too, driving through those and like I call them empty states. I know they're not empty, <laughs> but like the grids, who it fucked my mind up. I found it to be trippy. Yeah, trippy, and I don't know. There's like when. Because time on the road when you're doing a road trip is is its own stretchy, weird thing. Yeah, right? very much so. Um, There's a lot of trance going on, too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I drove through Wyoming and ended up like at like one o'clock in the morning because that would be kind of my routine. Um pulling into like the last rest stop, rest stop in Wyoming before I crossed over into Nebraska. Right. Um, and there were, there were some trees there, right. Like some scrub pine and all that, but like it was late at night and then, you know, got in my car as soon as I woke up and like zoomed off into Nebraska. But like, I, like once I got to like where the Platte river was really, nourishing the land around it right and things were like green and lush again like i just started i started bawling right Mm. like yeah so relieving um because yeah like the desert that kind of high desert i think just stresses me the fuck out oh yeah yeah Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've experienced that, but I know. I just know that the flat, the flat, stressed me out. Yeah, Nebraska's <laughs> real flat, and I loved it. Right. See, I, Nebraska was more like one of my like least favorite parts, and that's when I felt like I got abducted by aliens one night. Like, okay, okay, that that is that is not wrong. <laughs> There's something going on there. <laughs> so one of the things that happened in Nebraska, and I might have mentioned this at Wizard Camp, right? Like I pull over into the rest area and I was, my car wouldn't start for eight hours. Right. I was stranded at a rest area in Nebraska for eight hours. And like, that's a, that's a lot of miles that I'm not putting in my car. Right. But also, like, absolute, absolutely magical when I was there. Like, I, I really felt like I was, like, pushed into staying in this, like, little way, fairyland way station. Yeah, I was going to say way station is the best word, like, for it. There's, like, a, it's, lim- it's totally liminal, right? It is a way station. Yeah. And, but, again, like, totally totally nourished by my time there, which is surprising because ordinarily like being stuck with a car that won't start is something that would stress someone out. Right. Right. 
That's interesting because uh, I probably shared this with you when you told me about that. But when we drove through Nebraska, so it was me and uh, my business partner, and we each had our own car. And so we were just following each other uh, all the way out. And going through Nebraska, it was at night, and we had like kind of planned on driving all through the night. And we were in farmland, just grid roads. And like Google Maps is like, there's so tricksy (laughs) but like it kept updating our routes but it's it's a it's a grid so like it's not doing anything but just rearranging what the the route is on this grid and it's like six of one half a dozen of the other right it's not really doing anything better it's just like freaking out because it can't handle the grid either right and so we got separated from each other and ended up each having like just strange experiences i i had a lot of like a lot of like raccoons crossing the road in front of me which immediately of course to my mind was like oh these are screen memories <laughs> i'm getting like i'm getting abducted <laughs> right now <laughs> you know but also like i i can't explain this easily but i will try and i kind of had this was the whole feeling of like crossing the center of the country in general was that like at some point I'm going to end up in these mountains and I don't know, it caused me like some great deal of trepidation, but we were in the dark. Right. And I, the land around is flat, but I started having this inability to like form a gestalt of like what the land around me looked like. Mm. And so it started doing really weird things to my perception. And I thought I was going uphill. So like I could have sworn that I was like going up these mountains and was like just outside of that darkness is probably like a huge drop off cliff. You know, it was really weird. Yeah. And um, I'm not usually I don't usually have any kind of feeling like that when I'm driving. I'm very relaxed driving. I like driving. And. um, And, you know, like there was some people like broken down like their van was broken down actually their van looked a lot like the van i'm in now weirdly um and i kind of stopped and pulled over and was like hey do y'all need help there's like four of them they're like we're good we like you're good Mm -hmm. you don't have to stop but just like uh, any little experience like that i try to catalog in a situation that seems like bracketed by weirdness it's like okay this is all part of the experience right so eventually i call my buddy and like you know I don't know how long has passed. It, it was also like a time slip kind of thing, right? Where like we lost right. some and we eventually figure out where each of us are. And like, I remember once we finally hit a road that wasn't a part of this grid system, just being so relieved. And like, we pulled into this. What's the truck stop? It's like, just no, it's called like 99 or something. It's called like, it's just got a name that's numbers. 88 or anyway yeah it doesn't matter but oh phillips 66 no no it's the other one it's like a newer one that i had never seen before or maybe it's not newer maybe it's just out west i don't know no it's not a phillips 66 it's like i'll find out i don't know you know what it could be a truck stop like from another dimension that doesn't exist that's i wouldn't believe it yeah Yeah. and like it's numbers too so anyway we get there and we're like 
I've never been so relieved to see the lights of a truck stop. And you know that feeling of just like, okay, we're like at least somewhat in civilization now. And we like pulled there and we ate this pizza that they had. And it was like midnight or something. And we decided not to drive any farther. But I just remember this pizza was like the most grounding, amazing thing in that moment. It was truck stop pizza. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Just like being there yes. and in and having it and just i don't know like it was just like oh whoo that was a crazy and we shared our experiences and he had an experience where like he saw like and i'm ha- gonna have him on soon so i don't want to like totally bust out a story but i'm gonna do it anyway like where he saw like a basically like a floating light like a whippoorwill or like a what do you mm-hmm. not a whippoorwill but a um a will-o'-wisp mm-hmm. in the middle of the road that flew at him you know, just like stuff like that, it, like all the kind of things that usually surround that high strangeness kind of abduction thing. But I, I don't remember any experience of abduction, but that doesn't mean I wasn't. You know what I mean? I definitely felt like there was something fucking with me. Well, I had that I had that experience kind of um, in Illinois, or I th- yeah. think it was Illinois. Um, after after I left Chicago. Right. I was door dashing in the far out Chicago suburbs and I had a route set, you know, me, me and Google had decided that I was going through uh, like South, South Dakota and Montana because I wanted to not go through Wyoming again. Yeah. Right. Um, And then I somehow. After a bunch of flashing lights got totally turned around and Google had changed its mind and was sending me back exactly the way that I had come. Right. Like down the same freeways. Whoa. Um, and like, I'm, I'm missing two hours. Oh shit. Now when you say flashing lights, what do you mean? Like, like a bunch of white flashing lights in the air of me oh word yeah yeah i was yeah i guess what i was trying to get at was like where did they come from right like were they from the sky from the horizon it doesn't really matter i'm just curious yeah above you okay so yeah i mean (laughs) yeah it's just like oh i'm a road trip that happened okay yeah um i guess south dakota yeah when it's on the road you're just like well what can i do but keep going like i right (laughs) like yeah that happened that's weird all right what are we gonna like we saw some wild shit in the sky like i didn't expect to see that much stuff but there's something about that sky that's just like so open it's almost i don't know that i might have found it oppressive i'm used to like hills and woods and stuff like we can't really see the horizon here like i don't know how it is there but like i'm guessing it's similar yeah very much um, yeah. that whole like big sky country idea, right? Yeah. It was really because like you go to the coast and you can see the horizon over the ocean, right? right. But that's really only like half your sky, right? Yeah. Especially in Oregon, you turn around and look and there's literally a mountain in front of you. Yeah. Right. Like a bunch of trees are blocking it or whatever, right? Yeah. Right. Um so I think I oh. underestimated how comforting I found that. And then to not have it was strange, but go ahead. 
Well, this is actually, this is reminding me of some thoughts that I was having because I hadn't gone to the coast near where my dad lives for quite some time before I've been there like over and over again the last few weeks for various reasons, right? Yeah. Um, Because like, you know, or maybe you don't know that um, Dune by Frank Herbert was inspired by the dunes on the Oregon coast. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a trip to the dunes that inspired that. And, right, like, as I'm moving through that landscape, and especially, like, my memories um, from being a kid, it also absolutely had to be the inspiration for not only, like, the planet Arrakis, but for the planet Caladan. Because, like, oh, yeah, it's right there, there is water everywhere, right? Like, you're going down 101, and from one little town to the other, you're going to pass, like, seven lakes. And then you get to, like, the bottom part of where the dunes are, the southern part, and there's uh, Coos Bay. And, like, this, it's this weird... Um, international seaport in the middle of the Oregon coast, fucking nowhere. Um, but the bay itself is huge. It's huge. It's like San Francisco Bay in size. Um, so yeah, it's a. And then of course the ocean, and it rains all the goddamn time. So you have the inspiration for the desert planet in a place that's literally just soaking with water um which is a trippy place to grow up let me say that's cool that you mentioned that i felt this a similar way about um in arizona when i was out there in phoenix because it's an ancient ocean right yeah so it's a desert with ocean dreaming and that mm. is, you can kind of feel that about it. Like the land is remembering being an ocean. It's really cool. That's uh, what what you said also makes me think of like, and this is a tangent probably, but like the idea of like in sci-fi, how there's always like a planet with one biome. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's totally just like, the nine realms or something right like oh this is water realm this is it's like we've been doing realms forever we just gave it kind of a different flavor saying it's planets in space you know you know i i think that's an absolutely accurate assessment um but what that does is you know okay so there's definitely like I'll just use the Dune universe as an example, right? Like there's definitely the space guild and like their ability to like move through liminal literal space, right? The space between planets. Um, But, you know, as, as magicians, I think it's very interesting that you're just going to notice where things are juxtaposed and right. not just it's never one thing right there's always 
there's always layers and crossovers and different ways things fit together that are how do I say like they're they're so unique to I mean like even like like I like I said like the the hedgerow across the street from me right, right. like you walk three feet down and suddenly like it's a whole different plant universe right, right. different things going on in it um like i i honestly believe that like 90 percent of magic is attention i agree because i was gonna say that like that's always there but not and i'm not saying i'm not saying this in a like oh the plebeians way or anything you know what i mean i just think that some people like aren't necessarily paying attention and if you don't pay attention, you won't see it. And I think that, because I was going to say, like you were talking about those spaces between, I think that being able to, like, that we are those spaces too. Like, we are, like, because we're able, like, are able to, our ability to perceive them is due to the fact that we ourselves are also liminal spaces. Right. And that is what allows us to walk them. And all it takes to do so is to like open your eyes and see them. To be able to see that road that goes between, then you can take it. Right. Well, I mean, it, it is a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing, right? Like, total, yeah, 100%. It's very Uroboros so, kind of deal. Yes. Right. Because, you know, like I know I interact with people sometimes who like they literally can't see it. Yeah. No matter how much you point them at it, or at, or at least I've had that experience. See, I was like that. I was so oblivious. I was clueless. I wouldn't. I, I didn't. I couldn't see until I had certain experiences. You know. Right. I know. During the times in my life where I couldn't see, it was really actually like a very intentional ignoring. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> probably true for me too. You know. Yeah. I like just. No, fuck it. Not looking. Right. Like, I can't look. Because, like, in my, like, atheist years, it was really just still a reaction to... It was a... Rea- like, and I'm, I can only speak for myself. But it was still just, like a, rea- like, a reaction to the thing, which is still acting in relation... Like, I can't be out of relation to this thing. Right? Like, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. You, does that track for you? Like... Like I'm still consciously because it's even in the fucking word atheist, like well theist like is still in that word, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's still there. It's a difficult thing. Like, yeah, well, and so like if I'm defining myself in relation to that, then I, I still have work to do, I think was my experience with it. Right. There's a lot of words like that where you define um, define yourself by what you're not. Even one of my favorite words, like anarchist, not. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, not not into archons. Yes, not into archons. That's yeah. That's an interesting one too because it's sort of 
I mean, if you think about it, it's very similar to atheist, right? <laughs> like, it is. It is. is this, right? Yeah, this kind of um, this overlord that you're trying to. Like, I want to be, I want to exist out of your bullshit. Right. Right. So, you know, that whole striving toward freedom, because I honestly think that when it comes to atheists, right, like that was part of the original intent of that movement, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. but you know the the same with like anarchism right it's it's a strive toward toward freedom right liberty sovereignty um sovereignty yes ooh that's so, why I, I prefer sovereignty well i mean it's 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 a much better word cuz it it's self contained like right but then like when you talk about being self sovereign at least in like a political in a political milieu, you start to sound like a crazy ass libertarian. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? Well, there, who's to say I'm not one, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like a guy, like the kind of person that stands up in court and tells the judge that they, that their birth certificate is a sham and that they're a sovereign citizen. Like, yeah, dude, you're, you're going to jail, but that's, kind of like, <laughs> right? but I think that's why, I mean, like all the true, not all of them, but I think that in the United States, a great deal of the true anarchists, like they are fucking in jail. Oh, like that's where <laughs> you find them. Like Correct. Or, or the woods, you know, like I'm sure I, I feel like it's probably a little different out where you are, you know, but oh, that's, yeah, that's what it looks like to me from where I'm sitting. Well, you know, um, I'm not gonna, I'm telling no tales out of school, but sure. um, you you could be correct. Yeah, I could. Yeah, right. Wink, wink. But, you know, there's there's also um, compromises one makes, right? Yeah, um, one, one must be cunning. One must be cunning. Well, I mean, like, you know, I, I send my child to a private religious school. Um, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're threading the needle. I I am absolutely threading that needle. Um, and you know, just listeners, do please know that like private religious school was not my idea. Like, I would never put a 15 year old girl there who didn't want to go, because um, that's wrong. Right. Anarchism applied to parenting is really interesting, right? Like. You're responsible for everything that um, these people that you're trying to teach to be self-sovereign do, right? It's it, that's a that's a whole weird liminal space. Yeah, that's a mind fuck, really, to me. <laughs> really, <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's to you. <laughs> you're, you're the one living it. <laughs> yeah, so like, it really does put to the test, like like the best way for me to show love is to allow someone the freedom to make their own choices. Right. Um, and not like, 
because i think that it's for me like when i try to like put my fingers in in too many pies or extend control into aspects of my life that are none of my business aspects of your own life that are none of your business oh sorry did i say that yeah. Well, you said aspects <laughs> of my life that are none of my business. And I'm wondering, like, do I have any parts of my life that are none of my business? Like, well, other people I, that are in my life, I have no business over controlling them is kind of what I'm trying to say. Like, right. That's real. Be in my life and I still don't have. So like, but what I kind of should have said was aspects of life. But yeah, for clarity's sake. Um, there's a lot that's not my business. And but it, it's like corrupting to me when I try to do that, it's like putting on the one ring. No, that's that. That's real. Right. And I think that that is, um, well, like to bring it back to the whole atheist thing. Right. Like, I think that is actually where they took a wrong turn. Cause like, I don't care if somebody doesn't, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you believe in anything, right? But when you're trying to enforce that lack of belief on in others, right? Like that's like then you become no better than the people you were trying to escape um to to stop being controlled by. That's the way I want to. Yeah, you've become a you've fought dragons and become a dragon. Uh, Well, that sounds way cooler than it actually is for that. That though, Uh, (laughs) like I want to become a dragon. So I, when I, this is like straight out of my like the playbook of my life. I became disenchanted with um, like Christianity as one does, and I like swung the other way into atheism. But I was really just practicing. I was still being evangelical. Right. I kept that. And then it. I had to be in that for a while. And then I was like, oh, shit, I can just like step to the left, like one step and be completely out of this paradigm. Just completely out of it. Right. Um, and that's what it took. But like, yeah, it's just Wow. I did a lot of dilly dallying, I guess. <laughs> as as one does. And I right? had to. I think it was I had to, you know. Well, I don't I know very few magical practitioners were like, Oh yeah, I caught on to this when I was eight and I've been, you know, studying voraciously ever since right. and am a master of these five schools of esoteric arts blah 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 right like that's at least not in our crowd (laughs) right 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 of like wild chaos magician like to try things you know right like before i knew about reality tunnels i was doing excuse me i was doing reality tunnels but like the aware the, the ability to have awareness that i'm doing it allows me just to not like sink years of my life into it (laughs) you know what i mean like there's a very big difference with that right and you know like that's a that's a very it's a very good way to think of my periods where i have 
quote unquote, stepped away from the spirit because I, I remember each time there being a conscious decision to go, oh, okay, I am going to step into this reality and see where it takes me. And honestly, I think sometimes validate. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, like, and sometimes it was like to validate a theory that I had. Right. But then I get into that reality tunnel and I don't know, I did not know how to get out for a minute. And then that grounding period is actually kind of necessary in my experience after that, because I have to like decompress or something after it. Right. So like, right. Yeah. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. So it's almost like there's a skillful way of doing it and an unskillful way of doing it. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There might be a better way to say it. I I will say that I think I have always been more about enthusiasm than skill. (laughs) I like it. I'm the same way. (laughs) I'm trying. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's, yeah. Well, I think the way I, that what it made me think about was like, like an astrological transit, right? Like that energy can express in my life like a multitude of ways. And a lot of the time, how it's going to happen is based upon my level of awareness. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just being blown willy nilly, mm-hmm. then who knows what's going to happen? You know what I mean? But if I face it with awareness, if I know what's going on, then I'm a little bit more um, like I can navigate it. Right. Which is, you know, to me, navigation is like, taking multiple streams of information and then using it to plot a course. Like I'm very specific about what I mean when I say navigation. Right. Or like my, my tendency, right. Is to um, really kind of do the way station thing. Um, If I need to like pop out of, um, my reality right my my reality where like you know i i get in my car and i say a prayer to hermes and right like the the car and me and hermes all become like one thing (laughs) and we're off to the races right like um like you know i can have that reality and like still be um you know, the, the mom, like taking her kid to soccer practice and, you know, stepping. So is the act stepping of, into soccer practice or like soccer mom mode. I like that. So it's in this, in this particular metaphor, the act of being in the world. Um, the act of being in the world is the way station. Like, yeah, I mean, or, okay. You're always in the world. I am absolutely (laughs) in the world when I'm like driving around. I went, because I was going to say being in the world on the world's terms. Right. Maybe better, but you can see what I'm getting at. I'm not quite hitting it. But But actually, but like when you say the, the world's terms, right? Like if I, like if you got in my minivan and I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You'd be like, right on. Right, yeah, yeah, right? true. And, and like you're very much part of the world too, right? So absolutely, 
It's hard to escape um, it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Some might say we never have. <laughs> right. Like, oh. I hit the mic. I'm, that's that's a whole other long conversation. <laughs> um, I think we did, but we just aren't willing to admit what we actually saw. Um, that's, <laughs> that's Ingo Swan's take, and I'm I'm into him. But right. Okay, but help me out. So, what is the way station? Right, the way station is. Uh, how do I? The way station. What does that look is like? Is the conversation with the soccer coach where I'm like, oh, you know, where I fail to mention the fact that like I'm gonna like maybe put some um win soccer game sigils inside my kids' shoes, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> but I guess the way station is when um when I Oh, when you, when you, yeah, I see what you're saying. When you bring them together, but they come together through you. Right. <sighs> right. But like when <laughs> I have tough. to, when I have to, when I have to mask up. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I guess like, I don't have to, right. Like I wear my mask, like maybe more loosely than some of our other friends. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like part of, part of what I'm trying to do in my life is to like, just freely be in magical reality, like as much as possible without having to mitigate it or blow it off. Right. Or like, or close, shut the veil. This is part of what this project is for me is to like cause that magic to bleed over into every portion of my life simply because I have no choice because like it was actually kind of like a um kind of a big thing for me because my family didn't really know anything about what I do in this realm. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, is your family has your family been listening? Yeah, they well they say they have. I don't think you know probably not to every episode, but yeah, they've been listening. And um, some of them I don't really I really don't know what they might think about it. They might have things they don't even want to say to me. Um, and that's okay. But like it was for me like kind of like what you're saying, right? Like I'm kind of at this point where like some of the stuff I do is like in a way performative where like I want to be walked in on like I'll do stuff at the river. Like I do like rituals and stuff at the river and like people are always coming to the river. Like I'm not the only one there. There's, it's like a really good river spot. Like people come to it and they'll straight up see me like chanting weird shit in the middle of the river, you know, <laughs> and like baptizing myself in the river. And like part of that is is to be seen like i know a lot of times like we there's like the instructions in a magical operation will be like find a place where you're not interrupted but like i'm actually at a point where i'm like no let them fucking see let them witness (laughs) what is being done here you know like 
I want to be in the, I want to live in that world where that stuff happens. Right. So I'm going to be the vessel for it if I have to be, you know? Right. Well, I mean, like that's, that's good. As long as it like doesn't get you arrested or thrown out of the party. Right. Well, yeah, totally. There's a way, there's a, uh, there's a line to be walked, but that's, well, and who knows what's going to happen in the near future. It may not be a good idea. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I can't like the way things, I can't say the way things are going to go. Um, like with the social acceptability of doing this stuff, like it could become quite um, dangerous. You know what I mean? But right now, I don't have a, I don't have any fear of it. So hard for me to imagine that reality. I think in part because of where I am. Yeah, for sure. You don't have uh, religious fundamentalists in Oregon, right? Like that's super real. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't know, I was talking to somebody recently about how I miss, like, actual libertarians, where, right, like, yeah, real libertarians. Where like, we really don't give a fuck what you do as long as you don't fuck with us. One one of the one of the things that like stands out to me from being a kid is like being at a fabric store in Grants Pass, Oregon, with my grandma, and like some of the folks from the Radical Fairy compound. And I don't know if you know who Radical Fairies are. No. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's gay pagan men um sweet yeah um they like they have a compound outside of uh and i'm gonna say it like i'm from there wolf creek um (laughs) hell yeah that's how we say it in my in my ancestry too (laughs) right so so there's a radical fairy compound outside of wolf creek oregon and um also um a large community of mennonites um and you know what like as they should they get along fine i'm sure they do yeah that's a fabric store with like this mennonite (laughs) like these these sweet mennonite ladies with their bonnets on and you know the fairy boys and my grandma and like i'm a kid and asking questions she's like yeah it's just it's just what they do that's the way station it's i mean like it's but like that's like everyone needs fabric. <laughs> Everybody needs fabric. Like you have <laughs> like, you have sewing costumes or you have like it doesn't matter whether you're making a fabulous costume or a very modest dress to wear to church, right? right? Like you need fabric. You need fabric. And I hope that's my hope for the like, you know, we uh, there's a lot of trepidation about what's going to happen and it's going to be challenging and but my hope is that um it it necessitates that sort of interconnectedness and interaction between you know groups that you just would never think you know what i mean like that's my that's my optimistic take yeah i mean like and to be fair they were like you know 
they weren't necessarily interacting with each other, right? Or like giving tips on like how to like right. make a good buttonhole, right? But they like, had to. They were trading at the same in the same space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and without animosity. Right. Right. Like that's one of the things I I didn't see it very much on my road trip, but like the the times when on that road trip that those things did like when people were like full of animosity towards someone else. Right. I was like, I, it was, it was so palpable and, and gross to me. Yeah. It's gross. Um, and I think there's like a lot of that going on. It's just like really close to the surface. I mean, there's always maybe been a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like we're never been free of that in this in this place. But like, it's just very. I, I just feel it. I can feel it on the road. You can catch the vibe on the road. It's you you can you can catch the vibe on the road. But like, right? I think I think for me too because you know, like I'm I'm old now. And I fell in love with Portland when I was in my twenties, right? Yeah. And it was a it was a completely different city. Compl- like just Portland of the nineties versus Portland of like the twenties is, um, like there was there was actual community in Portland in the nineties, and I don't. Um, the last few times I've attempted to live here, I just, I haven't found it in the same way. Um, There's been a concerted effort to, to make that less common, I think. Right. Well, and especially the communities that I was part of, right. Um, Like the, the queer community or like the witchy feminist because you know you you still had like feminist witchy things going on. Um, yeah, and I think kind of there's been a concerted the, effort. There's been a concerted effort to turn those against each other. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily happened, but like I can, I don't know. It just, I just see a lot of division being sown in all areas. No, I think, um, I think you're right, um, and it's, I I don't know. And not, yeah, because like there are, there are things that are dangerous and to be avoided and people that like are doing things that are terrible that should not be welcome in your community because they're terrible. Those like, that's a, that's a thing that's real. But I don't, for the most part, like I, I really, I have never understood why somebody acting or thinking differently than you makes it, makes them your enemy unless they're coming after you. Yeah. I think it's, um, it comes back to fear again. And I think that fear, like does the fear makes people insular and so i and okay this is coming from 
what <laughs> this is like the conspiracy minded part of me, right? Which is a big mm-hmm. part of me. That's a big part of me. Um, but so if I add fear into the system, I don't even have to specifically aim it at anything. If I can increase the net fear, and I'm speaking of the point of view of an archon or whatever, whatever you want to call it. If I can increase the fear in the system, it will do all these things without me having to actually make those things happen. I can just make them all happen by adding more fear. So I don't have to make it a fear of gay people or a fear of um, of people that are different from me or people of a different faith or a different religion or of no religion at all. I don't really have to do that. If I can just add more fear, those things will happen naturally. No, I agree. I agree with that. Um, but then, you know, add, do they're doing all of it. So, you know, it, it's not just that. It's also targeted as well. And a lot of like probably COINTEL pro stuff, who knows, right? We're probably going to like lose internet now that I said that. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in whose best interest is it that there is a strong current? Like when you mentioned this earlier, you were talking about like that, that current of conformity that wants me to go in the direction of the herd, maybe for, for lack of a better word, right. or like what everyone else is doing. Where does that, is that just a natural thing or is that something that's, maybe it's natural, but it is being augmented? Like, it seems like that's in someone's best interest. And so I'm compelled to be quite um, wary of outside influences Right. Well, am I, ramb- I mean, am I rambling? I don't know. No, 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 no. I think I think that's fair. I mean, human beings are, in spite of the way we currently live, right? We are communal creatures. We're communal animals. We are not meant to live in isolation. So, if you have a fear right? That not conforming will isolate you. That's a strong motivator. It's one of the strongest motivators that there is, I would say. There's a reason right. that exile used to be worse than a death sentence, right? Right. Um, so, you know, and, and back to advice that comes from like in so many places, right? Like I remember... <laughs> the escape from which mountain being like a big deal for me as a kid, because like their mission was like to find the others after the kids had been rescued. Right. I'm like, Oh "Oh, yeah, that's cool. Right. Like I'm like, I, I like as a small child, like I honestly expected the starship to show up for me and my brother any moment. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was so afraid of the starship showing up. I'm glad that you were excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a different relationship to it now, but. (laughs) Right. Um, But that whole, that whole idea, right. Of um, finding the others. And it, and I think if you're confident that the others are out there, they, 
they find you. Yeah, for sure. Like I was, I was at an event a few weeks ago. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was not a magical event at all. Right. Um, but who do I end up talking to? Right. Is like the couple where he's wearing like a Hermes penis charm around his neck and she's telling me all about why she got it for him. Right. Like, hell yeah. It's just like they, they just, they just find you. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Um, or on the road trip, right? Like I'm at the Wendy's drive through and you know, somebody's asking me like, what's going on with my car? Cause they can feel the protection bubble. And then we start talking them, you know, just witchy shit. Wendy's drive through. Yeah. That happened. That actually does happen to me too. And I, I think I take it for granted a lot more than I think. Right. Like, I'm like, why the fuck was that person talking to me? And then I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Because I think there is like a um, a natural. It's a field thing, right? Right. But, I, but like, especially. Well, when you're isolated, right? Like you don't feel like you're you don't feel powerful when you're isolated. Right. right? So you don't know that like you're influencing the field. That's a really good point. That's a really good point because that's actually, yes, that's when I'm farthest away from power is when I've isolated. And I'm not talking about like, you know, being alone is great, but like isolation is a different thing. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so in this case, it would maybe be more of a um, more of a natural inclination that gets hijacked, you know, like that desire for belonging can be hijacked. I think. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time talking to you. Is there anything that you like want to promote or tell people about, or you know, I am getting ready to launch a YouTube channel. It's just you know, as you know, like my life is like delivered me a stack of stuff but i don't have it named yet or any of those things so telling you about it wouldn't be helpful cool well let's just put it out into the ether and then you saying that you're going to do it can be oh yeah there'll be energy on it now yeah hopefully people will want (laughs) to listen to like whatever weird shit i have to say on a youtube channel but i didn't even ask you if you ever saw bigfoot or anything like shit um well I'm going to say that like I lived on the Oregon coast with a dad who worked in one of the most difficult terrains in a forested park on the planet where Bigfoot might um, go when he's like feeling sick of maybe even looking at a human. So needs to get away. um, yeah, so so um I saw lots of fuzzy things out there. I mean, I'm just going to say that like beavers are way bigger than you think they are if you've never been next to yeah, one. They're huge and loud, too. Right. Right. But 
that they aren't Bigfoot. Right. Like, well, that's that's the thing that bothers me the most about crypt, like cryptid de- cryptid debunkers is that like dude, these are people that live in this place. You tell me they don't know what an owl looks like. Right, right. It's such like it is one of the enduring forms of prejudice that's allowed to happen. It's like being like, you know, telling people what they saw and what they know because they're country folk or something. I don't know. Right, right. Oh. Like one of one of my favorite examples of that is um you know, the indigenous population of uh southern or more Southern Oregon than here, right? Um, the the different tribal stories that exist around the creation of Crater Lake that um, of course involves like gods, but is also geologically accurate as far as time frame. And like those stories were ignored by scientists, quote unquote, right. for years. Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, uh, no, like you want to hear the story of how these landforms showed up? Like, Ask somebody in a tradition that's fucking been here, man. Ask the people um, that are from there. Ask the people that are from there. <laughs> they know some shit. Yeah. Um, like there are uh, legends of Sasquatch type folk. Um, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe... Maybe I need to write an essay on the similarities of uh, ocean-going shape changers in uh, Oregon coastal communities and uh, like <clears throat> Irish and Scottish stories because they are they are not dissimilar. Hell yeah! Like that sounds great. I'll read it. Well, I mean. Yeah, there's you, you gotta love you gotta love seal skins and like silky babies. Yeah, 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 hell yeah. Um and and how how those things might be similar and different, right? Because there's obviously gonna be differences. Right, yeah. Well that's why comparison is like such a rich way to to explore those things. It's endlessly compelling when something can be so similar yet just distinct. And so those right. they play off each other in a way that's really satisfying to me. Right. And like, oof. Um, I like I can't tell you for sure for sure that I've seen a Sasquatch, but I can tell you for sure for sure that I have um communicated with a river spirit. Oh hell yeah. That like is a shape changer so like back to like spirit of place kind of stuff right like you you look at watershed maps like i don't know if you ever geek out on this kind of stuff yeah i remember geeking out with everybody like i hadn't ever thought about it until y'all brought it up in the um the reverend's jangle bones ancestor course and we're like pulling up the maps and then i like randomly saw one at a old general store located right next to a mound. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I, I remember that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have like the Mississippi watershed system and it's fucking huge. Right. 
And then you have some more stuff going on around the Great Lakes. And then you have the Columbia River um, watershed over, right? And then you have like the Rio Grande watershed, right? But all down the Oregon coast, you have literally like dozens of tiny little watersheds that are just from that coastal mountain range to the to the ocean, right? It'll be, you know, a river that's only like 200 miles long or, or maybe only 50. Oh, that's so cool. Right. So you like tons of, um, tons of river gods. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Like you get to like, you, you drive 50 miles and there's. Um, a new a new spirit to me do you experience weird shit do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pumped or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.